All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition, new season of our Worth It podcast. We are up to about $12,000, a little bit over that. And I want to thank everybody for listening in, donating. It's just been a, an a amazing season one we had with some incredible guests and uh, life-changing events with our, our donations and, and guests and, and people that we've reached out to. So thank you for being along for the ride. We got a very special episode number one of season two with Dr. Kesser. Uh, of course, I'm with uh, my guy, Andy Dorsey, and we're just going to have an awesome show today. So I'm going to open us up a little bit and talk about Dr. Kesser, and then we're going to dive into uh, some questions. Dr. Kesser is a, a surgeon out of the University of Virginia program. I could go on and on about his resume as, also, as always, but it's kind of cool for me uh, Dr. Kessa was, Kesser is my son's surgeon, so we, we speak a great deal. He was my son's surgeon and kind of got us uh, started with all of this stuff. I reached out with it to him about the idea, and he said, sure, I'll put you in touch with people that can help. Uh, Dr. Kesser's donated himself, and he's also been willing to, to walk me through anything, and, and is my family's hero. He's a, he's a surgeon at UVA, uh, works with hearing loss, with, with patients who need help with that kids, adults, and does a ton with them. He's the program director, uh, wife, three children, lives in Charlottesville, is a huge UVA fan, and is just an amazing guy. He's won numerous awards, and I could go on and on about him, but more, he's what he's done for our family and our community. So, Dr. Kessler, thank you for being here. Oh, my goodness. Thank you very much for having me. I didn't realize I was kicking off season two. Well, it's a uh... It's a huge honor to be with you, and uh, I thank you for having me on the show. Now, and what a cool moment we just had. We had, uh, before we started recording here, we had Bryson here and my wife, and man, you just, to see them talking to you, and you're in Virginia, obviously, we're in, we're in Ackworth, right outside of Atlanta, but just to see their faces, and we, you know, at least once a week, we're talking about you and how much you've changed our lives, and, and just, we'll dive into a lot of that, but man, special, special moment right here for with you being here. Thank you very much. And it was great to see your wife and Bryce and uh, he looks great. We're getting ready to start a new school year. So uh, I wish him well in his uh, in his new school year. Yes, sir. And, and Andy, you doing good? Yeah, doing great. Yeah, I want to welcome everybody back to uh, season two. I mean, year one was just outstanding. I mean, it was just a such a, a blessing and, you know, exceeded all of our expectations. Um, you know, when Ryan came to me with this idea last year, it just um, you know, I thought he was a little bit crazy. I thought, man, how are we going to raise $10,000? That just seemed like a monumental task. And, and, uh, what it really made me believe is there's a lot of people out there that care, you know, that care about children, care about, um, you know, other people and, and, and just have giving hearts and, and, uh, doctor, thank you so much for what you do. Uh, you know, I tell people all the time, uh, you know, doctors to me are like ministers. I mean, you guys are in the people business and taking care of others. And, uh, and I just can't imagine, you know, obviously with your extreme skill set and then just seeing that child for the very first time, just to be able to have that type of improvement, um, you know, with one of their senses, you know, I, I'm sure it's just like a whole new world. So, um, you know, just thank you so much for everything you do. And, and we greatly appreciate you being on this show. Well, Andy, thank you very much for saying so, and it's a it's a pleasure to to, to be here, and um, it's uh, it it's been a a great ride for me, and a, a very gratifying practice that uh, that I have. So thank you both. And it's uh, just a little side note. It's kind of a cool week for Coach Dorsey and I. We're playing each other in football. We're both <laughs> obviously athletic directors in the, at rival schools, five minutes away, and it's uh, 
it's a cool way to get started. So we're going we're gonna to dive right in here, uh, Dr. Kessler. If you would, tell us a little bit about your journey, anything you want to mention. You know, I talked a little bit. I know you went to Princeton, and gosh, your list goes on and on. But anything you want to mention about your journey and how you got to this point or your family, just some, just some general background on you. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so from a personal standpoint, I have a <clears throat> wife and three kids. I got a, a senior in high school now and a, um, a ninth grader who just started high school. And I've got a, a fifth grader. So um, it's it's busy. It's fun. And, uh, you know, family is uh, is extremely important to me. And sometimes, you know, being a surgeon, it can be hard to have that work life balance. But I think whatever you do, it's important to carve out that uh, carve out that family time. So um, I trained in medical school here at the University of Virginia, and I stayed for my residency. And in my residency, I became interested in hearing and um, ears and ear surgery. And I did a fellowship in just ear surgery out in Los Angeles at the House Ear Clinic. And then after my fellowship, I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, actually, where I was in private practice at uh, Piedmont ENT. We operated out of Piedmont Hospital. About four years in, an opportunity came to me to go back to the University of Virginia and to join the faculty in the Academic Medical Center. And along with that opportunity came an offer from Bob Jarsdorfer. Now, Dr. J, Dr. Jarsdorfer, was the pioneer of ear canal surgery, surgery to open the ear canal and restore the natural sound conducting mechanism of the ear canal, the eardrum, and the middle ear. And having grown up in Virginia, my parents lived down in, uh, in Virginia Beach, it was an opportunity that I really couldn't resist. And so in 2004, uh, actually in 2003, I married my wife in Atlanta, and I dragged her kicking and screaming to this small town in Virginia, Charlottesville, that I promised her she was gonna love. And so, uh, We've been here since 2004, and the practice has grown, and it has truly been a, a blessing to be able to take care of not only children, but also middle-aged adults and older adults with hearing loss, dizziness and balance disorders, chronic ear infections, tinnitus, which is the, the, the perception of sound or noise in the ear. So um, I really, I love my practice. It gets, it gets busy at times, but the practice has been extremely gratifying and rewarding. And um, I wouldn't, wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, that's, that's neat to hear and, and, and what a story. And, and uh, that's neat that you were in Atlanta for a little bit with Piedmont. So we can, you know, relate to a lot of our listeners are from the Atlanta area. So they, they will, you know, definitely understand Piedmont and, and that hospital. So Dr. Dyer talks about you all the time. I mean, obviously what you did for Bryce and, you know, just the impact you've had on his family. And one thing he talks about a lot about is your work ethic, you know, and just how you have a relentless work ethic. And on top of that, just such a positive attitude um, with what you do in day in and day out, you know. And so can you talk to us a little bit about that? Of course. You know, it, it, it it's not always positive. I mean, there are times I get down and, and uh, kind of have to have to recalibrate and, and, and pick myself up. One of the great things about where my office is, is I can walk up to the rotunda, which is the iconic building of the University of Virginia. And that sometimes recalibrates me. It kind of puts everything into perspective. And so um, I, 
I just feel like if I have positive energy, I can give that to my patients as well. I mean, not only can I help them with their hearing or with their dizziness, but I think a lot of times I feel like I'm being a cheerleader. Um, I can't always fix hearing. I can't always make the dizziness go away. There's no cure for tinnitus, which is ringing in the ears. But if I talk to patients in a, um, in a relaxed, positive manner and say, even though we can't cure this, there are lots of things that we can do to help you. I think that gets transmitted to patients. And I think that helps patients take ownership of their, of their hearing loss or their dizziness. It helps them understand where their hearing loss and or dizziness and or ear infections are coming from. And I think it puts a, kind of a spin on the diagnosis that all is not lost, that there are things that can be done to help them. And so I feel like if, if I'm positive and I give that positive energy to patients, patients will take that and will understand what's going on with their ears and will be an active player in their own recovery. You know, so many times doctors just want to give a prescription to a patient and say, you know, take this and call me in the morning or take this and it, it, you'll get better. But I truly feel that by educating patients Patients will take ownership and will understand what's going on with their ears. And in that instance, even though we may not be able to cure the, the condition, patients understand it and they can much better manage it and live with it. Um, I even, for some dizzy patients, I prescribe yoga. I have them go and do yoga class. Yoga is a great series of balance exercises, but the meditative aspects of yoga also help patients with that stress level. And if we can knock that stress level down and use positive energy and a positive attitude and outlook, I think that's half the battle of many different conditions and diseases for which we have no cure or have, you know, limited ways of, of helping patients. Yeah, I think that's good. I think, you know, it's just, I think what you're saying, you know, you're just providing hope, you know, you're just providing some type of hope, some type of positive outlook on on the situation to where you know it, it makes people want to say okay i can do this i will go do the yoga i will um do what you prescribe me to do for that that slight chance of of improvement you know for their health so yeah that that um that's that's good that's exactly right and, and some of it is about taking ownership and if you educate parent patients about what's going on educate them about the inner ear about the middle ear and the ear bones Patients understand, and I think they they will take more ownership and 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 seek things that will uh, that will help them. I think you did that with us. You, I remember forget meeting you in Atlanta. You're up for a conference. You made time for us. We sat in the lobby, and you you just talked us through um, some things that we had to pray through and think about. And you were just so you kind of gave us your thoughts, but you said, "Here, it's your decision. Go back and research, uh, pray about, think about it, and and." I'd never be able to thank you enough for that. But our, our next question kind of dives into if you had someone who's dealing with some adversity, um, what advice would you give them? I know like for me, for example, we went down, we were so excited to have Bryce's surgery and I'll never forget he was getting prepped for surgery and he had a cough and you came in and you said, uh, you know, I'm not sure if we'll be able to do it day before and all those things. And ultimately we ended up going back home and something we were so excited about having uh, we had to postpone it. We you know we we're nine hours from home and 
And I'll just never forget asking you this question. I was in tears, of course. Uh, everybody knows I'm emotional, and I'm, I did call Andy and text and, and do all those things and just getting lifted up. But I'll never forget you said, Ryan, just get in the car and go home. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. We're going to get through this. And it, it was almost just like, man, you were with us. You, were, you, wanted it just, you wanted it for us. And so I say all that to say, what are some tactics that you would advise people when they're going through adverse situations medically or just in life in general? So first, I remember well sitting with you in the hotel lobby with you and your family meeting Bryce for the first time and, and talking about some of the issues around it and, and, and some of the options. So thank you for, uh, for remembering that as well. That was a, that was a, a great time, fun, fun day. So I think first and foremost, it's important to be honest. You know, um, we have very high expectations for modern medicine. People do think, I'm going to go to the doctor, and I'm going to get a pill, or I'm going to get a prescription, or I'm going to do something, and it's going to, quote, fix me. When you've been in medicine for a while, you realize we are limited, very limited, in what we can and cannot do. And I think it's very important to tell patients the truth. It's to tell them to, to be honest and say, I cannot cure your tinnitus, your ringing in the ear. I cannot restore your hearing if you have nerve-type hearing loss. But there are things that we can do to help. There's always something we can do to help you. It may not be perfect, but you have options. You can choose to wear a hearing aid. You can choose to try a medication for tinnitus. You can choose to use background noise for the ringing in the ear. So it's my job to be honest about the diagnosis and to present options to help patients manage their, their complaint or manage their, their condition. And I think it's also my job to educate patients about the limitations of modern medicine and to have them understand why there's no cure for your dizziness or why there's no cure for your sensory neural hearing loss. And I think with that education and that person-to-person -person connection that we as doctors are, we have a unique responsibility to, to make. We have, a, um, we have the opportunity to make that person-to-person -person connection. I think with that and that positive energy that we talked about earlier, I think patients will come to understand their diagnosis, will come to understand the treatment options for their diagnosis, and I want to just set them up for success to make the best choice for themselves. A lot of times, there is no right or wrong choice. But my job is to talk about the different options to have patients make the best choice for, them, for themselves. And, you know, I remember well, Ryan, that, that day when um, the anesthesiologist said, I don't think it's safe to put Bryce to sleep. And I think we had to, we had to honor that, of course, because... At the end of the day, we don't want a patient who's going to undergo anesthesia to have pneumonia or to have a complication. We have to, we have to be safe and, and, and do the right thing. Absolutely. And that was something we, we didn't want to hear. And you were, you were just so graceful with giving us the news, basically saying it's not happening today, but it's going to happen. And I'll never, never forget how you handled that. Uh, just, just unbelievable. It's, it, it's tough, you know. Um, we don't necessarily get formal training 
in delivering bad news. Yet I think it should be a part of medical school curriculum. I think it, anybody who takes care of patients, I think we should train patient, train students to deliver, how to deliver bad news in a, in a caring, compassionate, respectful, and, and, and honest way. And, you know, um, we're going to see the end of, we're going to see the light at the end of the tunnel. You're going to get through this. That, that's exactly right. And um, I think medical schools are becoming more and more aware of the importance of this kind of training in, in giving bad news. Gotcha. So, you know, obviously the, the title of this podcast is worth it. And when Ryan and I were brainstorming about this, it was, you know, we're an athletic administration, you know, so we deal with coaches every single day and, you know, and compared to what you do for a living, you know, it's very minuscule, but, you know, we get judged and a lot of times people base our success off wins and losses. And, and so a lot of the journey through this podcast is to make people feel valued, make people feel like, you know, no matter what your profession is, is that, you know, success kind of comes from within, you know, that you make up your own success and, and don't worry about what the world thinks of you and how, you know, what they judge your success to be. And, and so how does that relate to your profession? You know, you're in the medical field and, and, you know, how do you measure success? Um, you know, and I, I'm, I know earlier you mentioned when you saw Bryce and, and, and I think that is your, your gratitude of, you know, Hey, spending long nights, spending time away from my own family. Um, you know, I can't imagine, you know, the, the hours and years that you spent studying your trade, um, you know, and I, that's probably the answer, but I, and I didn't want to give it out, but um, just, just talk to us a little bit about that. Cause I am intrigued about that because I, you know, I don't talk to a lot of people in the medical field and I just would love to know, you know, how you guys measure your success, you know, professionally and uh, personally. Thanks, Andy. That's, a, that's just a great question. And, you know, like you guys, there are different measures of success. You talk about wins and losses. Well, the three of us and everybody listening knows that the measure of a success of success in, in that field is not necessarily wins and losses. We have the same kind of metrics. You know, it's how many, pa how many patients am I seeing? Are my patients doing well? What's their hearing after surgery like? There, there are these hardcore metrics that many times we as, as people are judged on, but those aren't necessarily the right metrics to be judged on. And so you guys, a success is watching a young man or woman evolve from being a child into being an adult. And that's a pretty amazing thing, an amazing thing to watch. And for me, measures of my success is the smile in a child when I take the packing out of their ear canal and they hear from that ear for the first time. It's the, it's, it's the surprise look when we put a cochlear implant on a, on a baby, on a child, on an infant, and they hear for the first time. It's people coming back and saying, Doc, thank you for what you did for me. Thank you for what you did for my family. There's so many ways to measure success and that's what makes me feel good. It's not how many patients I see, how much money I brought into the medical center. You can throw all that away. Seeing a child's face after I take that packing out and I put that tuning fork up against the ear and that smile comes across their face, man, that is, that is worth more than a million dollars to me. Or a, a patient coming back and say, doc, 
thank you for what you did for me. You've, you've changed my life. I mean, gosh, I mean, it's a, it's a huge responsibility. It's, it's a huge honor and privilege to take care of patients. And when patients come back and they've done well and they say, thank you, I mean, that, that really is, is, is worth all the salary in the world. Yeah. And we say the same thing, you know, and education is, you know, the, you know, everything we go through and people, you know, no matter what generation it is, it comes through, but, you know, it's so gratifying, whether it's an athlete or whether it's a, just a, a student that was a problem student in our school. And, and then they come back three, four years later and they're successful. They have a beautiful family. They got jobs and being productive members in society. And, and that's where we get our, just the big smile, like, okay, what we're, what we're doing is worth it. And, uh, you know, and, and, and that just like you, you know, obviously we're educators, we don't make a lot of money, but, um, I just feel like, man, that, that's where I get my paycheck every day is, you know, having those people come back and saying, thank you, you know, for what you did for us. And, you know, and it, it made a difference in my life. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and one other aspect of my job that gives me great satisfaction is, you know, I'm an educator too. So I'm training residents who want to do ear, nose, and throat surgery in doing some of these operations. And so I know that I can put ear tubes in a child's ears for chronic ear infections. But when a resident, one of my trainees, does that surgery and does it well, well, that's more gratifying to me than if I had done it myself. So I've taught the next generation of ear, nose, and throat surgeons, and that also is another very satisfying aspect of, of my job, you know, being an educator, well, all three of us are educators. And so um, seeing your students fly and seeing them soar is what it's all about. Absolutely, Doc. And, and the next question I kind of have for you is, is to kind of look through and talk about, you know, we, we came from all over, people do to see you and see um, your practice, talk a little bit about one thing your job has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life. I think one point is that it doesn't always go great. And I have to counsel patients before surgery about the risks of surgery. There are always risks. There are no guarantees in life. And what I think really kind of marks a person is how you deal with adversity. We talked a lot about that earlier in the, in the, in the, in the program. And so what I have learned is to be humble and to say, it may not be perfect. It may not go great. There are risks and there are, there are challenges. And so not every operation goes 100% goes goes perfectly. So if it's if it's one thing that I've learned, it's it's to to be humble and don't think that every single surgery, every single patient is going to be you know a plus. It it and and then if it's not, then how can we move forward? How can we get past the less than perfect outcomes? And that I think is part of your faith part of your family, part of your, um, your overall kind of outlook and demeanor. And, um, you know, I, I, I do have, I am a man of faith. And so I do find that that, that helps me through some of uh, some adverse times. Yeah, that's good. 
So in in my building um, at, at the high school that I work at, my office is actually on um, one of the um, special education hallways. And, and on my hallway, um, we have classrooms with students with physical disabilities. And, you know, we also have uh, classrooms with students, you know, with, with cognitive, you know, inabilities. And it is so gratifying um, to interact with those students day in and day out. It, it's, I'll be honest with you, it really is probably some of the most fun parts of my day because, um, you know, they are just so happy to be at school, just so happy to be around you. And, and um, you know, and it, it makes, you know, me want to take able people and just be like, you don't realize the blessings that you have in your life. And you look at the able bodies in our building and they're mad and frustrated and life's got them down. And then you go to this hallway and these, and these children are just so happy to be alive. Um, you know, what, what, if you were to talk to somebody with a physical disability, what, what advice, you know, I know you deal, I, I think mainly with children, but what advice do you give individuals that have these disabilities um, to give them that hope? Yeah, I think you, you hit on a you hit on a major theme, and that is you know facing disability. And and so some of the advice that I give is number one, as we talked about earlier, be honest um, and ex explore and explain the the limitations, the um, potential abilities, as well as those those limitations. And I encourage people to get lots of opinions. I tell parents, I see both adults and children, but I, I tell my patients, it's important to get second, third, fourth opinions. You have to satisfy yourself in your own mind that you have turned over every stone in looking for help, in looking for a cure, in looking for um, treatment for whatever it is. And if you've satisfied yourself that you've done everything you can, then you have to play the hand that you're dealt. And in playing the hand that you, you're dealt, you have to rely on physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech language therapists. You have to rely on professionals, medical professionals, to pro orthotics and prosthetics um, to provide the very best care so that every person, regardless of physical disability, cognitive disability, can reach their, their potential, can reach the, be the best person that they can be. And there are lots of folks out there who can help, help people, help patients reach that potential. And doc, I just want to say, you know, gosh, we are, we're, we're right down here to our wire and what an honor it is to have you on here. It's just, man, just looking at you and what you've done for my family, like, like coach talked about success is just uh Man, it's just what an honor. I just don't have the words and been excited all, gosh, since we got you booked on the show. You know, in, in a minute or less, tell our, our listeners and the people who tune in and our supporters what it means that their gifts, what it does for people, what it does for kids uh, who can't afford hearing aids or can't afford services that, that this podcast and, and not Coach or I, but that it provides a platform for them. So one thing I kind of fall back on in thinking about hearing and is hearing important. Helen Keller, Helen Keller was a deaf and blind person, woman uh, who made great contributions. And Helen Keller once said that our vision binds us to the world, but our hearing binds us to each other. 
And so that that relational aspect of hearing is incredibly important. And I see older adults, if they start to lose hearing, they become socially withdrawn. They don't want to put themselves in social situations where they would mishear something and they become depressed. So I encourage people to look into options for hearing habilitation or hearing rehabilitation. Um, we're all wearing masks. It's hard to lip read. So, you know, do everything you can to support your hearing, even if it's cochlear implantation. There are many times good options out there to help. And think about that relational aspect of hearing. It binds us to each other. And what a, what a, what a beautiful way to talk about what our hearing does for, for us. And just to kind of put a bow on it, guys who are listening and ladies, what the gifts you're given and the way you're showing up, you're giving that gift of hearing to some a kiddo and a family who really need it. People fly from all over the world to see Dr. Kesser and to, to see him. And we were so honored to be one of your, your patients and your family. And I know we're always going to be, you kind of got us for life, man. So, so sorry about that. So we, uh, we love you and we thank you for, for being on our show. It's just been a, it's just been a privilege. I love it. I love you guys. Uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. And thank you to everyone who has contributed. Our hearing aid fund for children is, is, is I mean, it's outstanding. We are providing great technology, great hearing aids, as well as assistive listening devices like FM trainers for children um, who couldn't otherwise afford especially during the critical period of speech and language development. So thank you everyone for what you've done. Thank you guys, Ryan and Andy. And remember when the outcome of next week's game, when you guys play, <laughs> it's not about the final well, score, right? It's about, well, those, it's about those boys out on the football. Amen. Field. Amen. Amen to that. Yeah. And thank you everybody for listening in to episode one, an instant classic.